That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? All right, everybody, we're back for another episode of That L Word Podcast. Uh, another exciting episode. It better be exciting. I'll, you know, come down here and spend an hour talking to people. It, it should be exciting every time we speak. Every time. And uh, we're, we're caffeinated from our local coffee shop. Well, you're caffeinated. I'm caffeinated. I'm Morgan's- sugar. I got the sugar rush going on. I got banana mango something something. Same thing, right? It is. It basically is because it is still making me, when I start coming down, I want more. <laughs> Same thing as caffeine. So if you hear Morgan trailing off later, it's because uh, his his sugar high has come down. I just stay caffeinated all day long. Yeah. So after the after most podcasts, what we go do is uh, we go get some food at, at Kava. I, even though they didn't pay me to say that, it is fire. I'm telling you, you should go try it out. <laughs> Morgan loves Kava. I swear, every time we go in there, he gets something new, and it's the best thing he's ever had, according to Morgan. <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. It is right. I haven't been disappointed yet, and I'm going to get something different today. Every time. Every time. He's like, put some of that in there and put some of that in there. <laughs> the lady's like, you want this? He's like, yep. Yeah. She's like, this tastes great with this. Sure. Whatever. What, whatever. He's in it. <laughs> well, hey, um, we've been asking our listeners for ideas or concepts or topics that they would like us to discuss, and we've had a lot of response, so I would ask you to continue Please, to send in your ideas and things that you would like to hear us talk about. And somebody recently wrote in, uh, a, you know, a question or not a question, but uh, re- recommended a topic mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting. And when I brought it up to Morgan, he was like, that's interesting. And, and we had a, I don't know, a good five minute talk about it on the phone. Very interesting, because like when it first came off, I was like, I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. Right? Uh, but it makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. And it's uh, so the the topic is going to be language, and it comes in the form of you know leadership, right? Uh, everything we do is is we try to keep in the leadership realm or life realm, I guess. Which sometimes you're leading yourself. So language, it's it's important. Uh, we you know you know I just thought about this. We should have looked up what is the definition of language. Well, you keep talking. I'll Google. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, but so. When I, when I when I thought about that, it's like okay, we're talking about languages, and some people we we always come across as thinking things is a certain way, is a certain thing because that's what society has told us. Like this is what language is. So you could be like Spanish, it could be English, it could be Japanese, it could be Mandarin, it can be whatever it is. But there's so many other uh, styles of language, types of language. Um, that what, did you find some? I did. Okay, I did. So and this is a great point, and I know we've said this before. <laughs> And Morgan and I, on the way in this morning, we're talking about different writing styles. And there's plotters and pantsers. Plotters are the people that, like, map something out when they're writing a book. And pantsers are the ones that f- literally fly by the seat of their pants. Morgan and I are pantsers when it comes to podcasts. If you, if you were to see my notes here, I break it down into four. Uh, and it literally, for this, this episode, just says language. And then we just go from there. That's all I need to say. What I always tell people, they're like, you don't prepare? Well, the truth don't change. That's right. It, the mind, what's in my mind ain't going to be different if I write it down. It's going to be the same thing. And if I can't regurgitate it or explain it to you, then I shouldn't be talking about it. That's actually. right. And sometimes we get squirreled, and that's why. Because uh, if we're doing better, <laughs> I'll try to stay on track. Anyway, so uh, in the in the, in the the 
I guess, the feeling of that language. The principal method of human communication consisting of words used in a structured and conventional way and conveyed by speech, writing, or gesture, or a system of communication used by a particular country or community. I think the second one is applies one again. a system of communication used by a particular country or community. And yes, it, yes. Because we're talking about leadership, that would be That's a community. the community. That's the community. Or your, your work section is a community. Your corporation or your company is a community. Your home is a community. Your group of friends is a community. There's communities within communities within communities in communities. Say that three times fast. Even uh, in, <laughs> even in the military services, right? There's there's army, there's navy, you know, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard. And we all part of the DOD. But everybody's got different language <laughs> right. within their separate communities. Um, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people from other services and and said something that is commonplace to us, and it was like you're coming from a different country. Like, what is that? What they call it? Um, Jargon. Yep, yep. Military jargon Military or just jar- jargon, jargon in, in general. In general yep. Yeah. That, so, hmm. so with language, there's also so many different forms of language. And that's what we kind of started talking about last night on mm-hmm. the phone was, you know, there's body language. There's actual, like, what's coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And then the interesting twist recently is all of the, you know, we're, we're DMing, IMing, texting, <laughs> All of this different stuff. And, you know, I said to Morgan last night, like, my wife won't even listen to voicemails. Her voicemail message says, you know, leave me a text. <laughs> if I, you know, if I don't I pick it up, leave that's me a text. funny, though. That is hilarious. But then you said, I don't listen to voicemails I either, can't, really. No. Yeah. I don't, I, one, I don't have time. Two, um, I'll just call you back. Um, I just think like, it's just a waste of, of my verbal energy. And my mental energy just to go listen to it. When, I, when you're going to tell me it again when I call you back. So, But then if you talk to my parents, your parents, you know, I had the, the honor of meeting your folks uh, uh, last month or whenever mm-hmm. it was. And they're a different generation. And they, they want to talk on the phone. They want to sit and have conversations. And I feel like I still come from that where I want to talk to people more than I want to text. And how many times have we been texting and I'll be like, let's just talk. Cause I, <laughs> all, all the time. Hey, I got fat thumbs. So I, you know, I'm I, always I like, I text a lot cause I've talked to a lot of different people and it's, for me, it's a way for, hold on. First off, I'm going to talk about my mom and my dad. Like they text, but they always say, you don't, you don't call, you don't call. I'm saying, I've been texting you the whole time. Like what we've been talking. And for me, that's like, Oh, everything's fine. Everything is good to go. Um, but to them, it's still not enough. It's not the connection that they're looking for. And that, that's that, that's a big piece of it. Let's grab onto that piece right there for a minute and <clears throat> translate that into leadership and teams. Oh, how one person wants you to come. Like, <laughs> yes, how some people, this is what I, when I worked in, you know, being a paralegal, they want to put things on the boards and PowerPoints and all that stuff. And I just can't stand it. I just, just tell me what you want me to do. Uh, just verbalize it and let's get to it. But that's how they communicate with graphs and Excel spreadsheets and things like that. And does that always fit the the group of people you, you're talking to? Exactly. And that's, I think, from a leader's perspective, you've got to speak the language of all of the people on your team. So if you've got a team that's, that's um, very diverse in age and you've got folks that are maybe from my generation, our generation, that 
want to sit down and have a conversation. And then you've got the younger folks who are like, hey, just shoot me a, a, a text or a message about it and I'll get it done. Right? I just had a bit. So as I coach, right, but I also coach marketing and branding um, for coaches, real estate agents, and other types of businesses. When I first get a lot of the newbies, say you know most people that have been in for the, their industry for a while will know a little bit, but people that are just new to the game say, well, "I get a new real estate agent," and they, I'm like, "So who are you trying to sell a house to?" They say, like, "Everybody." I said, "But you can't talk to everybody because when you talk to everybody, you get nobody." Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, "So what is the, what is the what are the demographics of the people that you're trying to talk to?" And then to your point. Uh, how, how old are they? What are, where? What point are they at in their lives? Um, what are their financial um, uh, abilities when it comes to how much they can right, spend how on much the house? Can they spend? Yeah. yeah, and they're like, "Well, I just want everybody." I said, "Well, it doesn't work that way because you can only you, you need to talk to a certain group. You need to speak to a certain group, and how they receive you is based off how much information you know about them, right? Or you can't really speak to them. And you just what you're saying. It, it overlays everything in leadership. Who you're speaking to is directly related to how much you know about them. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to your team, how much you know about them is going to directly affect how you speak to them. It is always like, um, I say this about my client, um, meet them where they are, right? And you have to, I think that's one, as a coach now, right? One of the biggest skills that I, I, I can identify right now, and you have it too, is like when in our jobs, we talk to so many people. And when I became a true leader, I, I think the realization was that I had to speak and meet each person at the point that they were at. Not a, what they call it, um, I've heard it, the curse of knowledge. Not assume somebody knows something that you already know because even you had to get there, right? And so when when I talk to people now, it's like okay, I'm telling myself, listen, hear them. Don't just don't don't just be there. Like hear what they're trying to tell you, and don't don't treat them or respond to them like you respond to somebody else. Make sure that it's authentic to to the conversation that you're having in that moment, and not about. You know, oh well, some. And this is the, another big piece. Is like not always saying, well, well, my other athlete or my other client. And it's like now you're saying that they're like them or they're going through the same situation, but the situation might be the exact same, but the person is not. Right, and then you put them in a, a comparison mindset, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is bad for bad for humans. It's bad for teams. Bad it's for bad, business. It's bad for business. Yeah. It's bad for business. And, and I think that's an important point when you're talking to your team members is, is realizing, especially if you've got new team members. Yeah, sure. The other folks on the team have already run those paths and, and know how to do whatever it is, but the new person who's coming on board doesn't. And so you do have to meet them where they are and not assume that they know something everybody else in the team does. The flip side of that is also what do they know that we don't know because they're new to the team, right? Because everybody on a team, you've mixed and you kind of know, I know what you know and you know what I know and we know where we support each other and and all that. But when you get somebody new on the team, it's it's a matter of figuring that piece out. I I got a couple clients in in their industry – They've been doing what they've been doing for a long time. I'll just say it like that, like very like over 10, 15 years type thing. And what you what you get is that people people get stuck in the way they communicate and the way they do business. 
You know what I mean? And as you say you want your company to, to, to grow, you want your people to grow, you have to have that same mentality within your in, within your communication. If you if you have if you get to the to the point where you're saying this is how I've always done it, this is what we this is how we did it last time. Um, this worked for us before. You really get stuck in in a rut, and you're not able to. And I'm, the point I'm trying to make is like there are new people always coming aboard because you need the fresh blood, the fresh ideas, the new generations to even understand the generation that are are. Up, come, up and coming now. Mm. If you get stuck in the eighties, the nineties, the and you you think that's gonna work in two thousand and twenty two, like there are gonna be similar things, but you the way we talk to people or the way people feel things and the way we receive things and in, in the language and the way we uh interact with each other is not the same. And it's, it's 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 recognizing that and actually taking the time to say, you know what, we we need to shift gears and kind of like learn and ex- what the 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 next group of our customers because you know the one big thing with when it comes to customer base is every customer has a life cycle right every customer so they're only going to spend so much money with you so much when you talk to them a certain way so you have to learn how to like okay how do I lengthen that time how do I lengthen um, that that customer's experience with us you know but it's all about language am I shifting when they shift in their lives because yeah right now you know. You older than me, but you know, as being in my early, he always 40s, he always reminds yeah, me. My early forties. I just want to make sure everybody clear, right? It, being about early forties, right? How you spoke to me in my thirties is totally different. Mm-hmm. So even if I move with my peers, the things that have that the way we spoke ten years ago are not the same. It's not the same way that we're going to speak now. Well, and, and even I think the military is a very easy and great example when you've got young recruits coming in. The way their drill instructors or the people that are, you know, training them, whatever they call them for whatever service they went through, treated them in boot camp and the language they used with them (laughs) is completely different, polar opposite from somebody who's been in six, seven, eight years for most. However, we've both witnessed the leaders that try to continue to lead that way Mm -hmm. and how ineffective it is when you use language that you would use in a boot camp scenario on somebody who's been in for six years. And then, I don't even know if this is on the topic, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, we talked about language shift when we, you know, military. The beginning is ah, that's, and that's what everybody sees. And then the other part is the professional side of us, where where we're organized, we're doing things, we're speaking to each other as professionals as we should be, right? But the world is only sees one side, and so they think that we. We're yelling at people every day. Like that's the language that they that, that is portrayed on videos or commercials, and you know it's always this really aggressive yeah. environment. And it's not it's not that way. Um, and it just goes to show you how language can really determine how people view each other. I've had clients, Morgan, that have or potential clients when I was doing fit calls that told me, you know, they've read my bio and they said I'm not interested in a kind of dictatorial, very structured, very military type of conversation. They naturally assumed that that was the language yep. I was going to use. And I think I'm probably the furthest from that, even when I was in. I had to say, dude, the funniest part is, <laughs> how do you know what that even is if you've never been in the military? How are you making a determination? Remember, language is all about what is portrayed in, in the different communities. And like, how do you know what that is? 
if you've never been a part of it. And why would you say you don't need something that you don't understand? Right. And it's just people making assumptions. But then if we were to translate that into the workplace organizations, whether it's military, civilian, whatever, I've also heard a lot of older generations, you know, when the younger folks are coming in, the language that they're using toward them because they're making assumptions as well. But it's, it's – oh. And that, that, point, that's where we get into the language of love, right? But like the, before we go to the language of love, you hit a, a kind of a hard point for me because this has happened to me in the recent months where I go speak to a client and they talk, then they start talking about, well, we don't want that, you know, we don't want that type of military presence here. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you? I, yeah. I, did I say something? Did I, right. did I call you? Like, did I say, hey, you come here, right? Did I, I didn't even. Didn't even speak to, like it's almost. So I'm I'm ready to doubt so I don't forget. You didn't give a person a chance, right? You didn't. You assuming who I am based off what you think you know instead of okay, we could say using communication, using language to say, hey, who are you? What are you going to bring to the table? And usually these people that are saying that you haven't even said anything yet. Right. I just wrote down assumption versus reality, and I think that people make assumptions, and this is a part of language. I think listening is a part of language. Communication in general. Right, yeah, of course. And so it's it's people that are not listening to truly say, okay, what language is this person speaking? So we come in and maybe some have the assumption that we're going to be these over-the-top, crazy military, you know, type people without listening to us to see what type of language we this speak. This is this whole nother – oh, man. But I'm glad we – if we were talking about transitioning this, <laughs> I would literally – but that's why – the way we talk to people, it has everything to do with how they feel in the environment that we have them in, right? And a quick example is like military people transitioning, right? The way we communicate, the way we – our language uh, is so – it's going to be hard. It's going to be the, the – you've you've never done this before and all this, right? It's scary. It's scary. It's fear-based. Right? And it, th- not only in the military sense, but there's – Corporations and companies that do this is not like you, you know, where you came from. This is different. Uh, you got to you got to fit in here. And um, he's like, well, I, I thought I could be myself here. That's what y'all said in the interview, right? And right. now you telling me that I, I have to be another person. I thought we were in the tree of trust. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. And so that when you say those things, that's that's the language, right? When you say things like that, you you contradict what you're trying to create sometimes. Well, and you know, have you ever <clears throat> the, the thing that just pops into my head? Is a, a parent will say in a grocery store, or you know some other environment, screaming at their kids to calm down. <laughs> right? I'm laughing because I've done it before. Like you better relax right now. Yeah. Oh, I've 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 done better at, at, at catching that, and even me and my wife we have done better at. at, at and catch that as much as possible because it does, it makes no sense. It make and and think of the language you're using, right? You're using super aggressive, stressed out language when you're literally telling the other person to do the opposite. Delivery, delivery is everything. Like you can say, "I love you," or you said, "I love you." Right, right. It's gonna it's gonna be different. Or you're welcome here, and then there's the other way of doing. It. It's like, oh, "You're welcome here." And you're like, it's like not sure, question mark, like you kind of are if you. And so I don't, that's, oh, man. 
this is brings up a good point, right? So I've written books, right? You write a lot. You're a writer. And what I believe is what I've learned because my whole life I wasn't really confident in in writing because in that language style I didn't have the punctuation and grammar. And even on here you're going to still hear some of that country um hood slang because you know, I still I, I still have it that's who I am and I just can't get rid of it um and but as I started to be in a deal with professionals work with professionals um the written word became very important especially I'm a paralegal right so I, I work with attorneys that's but as you go up it gets even more because you're not having a whole bunch of meetings and you're not having a whole bunch of phone calls you have them but more likely than not, it's through email or something like that, um, some type of copy or text. And what what has helped me and what I've learned is I've become a better uh, communicator. Uh, my language has changed as I deal with people, uh, as I learn how to write uh, better. And the reason for that is is when you write – it's not the same as when you speak because when you speak, you can hear the tone. Uh, if it's in front of somebody, they can see your body language. But the language you use in in on paper or in a text message um, can be lost in translation real easy. Yeah, how the, often does that happen? Like, <laughs> what did you mean by that? That's well, why we got to use emojis now. Yeah, they, you, you know what I mean. Thank I had God to use for one emojis. With an athlete the other day, and I was saying something, and um, she replied back, and I was like, "Ooh, she missed." Totally yeah, misinterpreted off that, the bar, right? Yep. I was like, I didn't. I wouldn't tell you that you did something wrong. I was like, I was giving you a suggestion. So the next time I did, I put like a uh, the, the the emoji with the uh, angel halo. Yeah. And I was like, and she was like, oh okay. It's, and the, the whole tone of the text message changed. Because, but like that's <laughs> emojis. I, I, <laughs> that is that's a language now. <laughs> it is a language, and and I think you know I've said before because I, I tend to be very sarcastic, and sometimes that's lost on people. And especially Don't do in a text, text message. What I, I yeah, said to somebody you once, cut somebody out. Text they need to have a, a font, a sarcastic font that you can switch so that people know, hey, I'm being sarcastic right now. You got to use the emoji. But even emojis don't don't portray. No, but, but again, uh, or, it depends on the audience. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Who are you talking to? Because if you, I, I, I mean, uh, my sisters and the younger generation, they can, you can tell a story with emojis only. Yes. I don't even know how to do that. Some of them I could use, but like. That's that's the big piece about writing, man. If you don't, I had a I had a, I took a certification. Um, it was one of my coaching certifications, and one of the it was like uh, you had two parts of the test. It was one there was multiple choice. Then like the second half was always the hardest one. It has the essay questions in it, and it asked me to reply to a upset client via email, and how would it sound? And what would you say? And that was probably, I, I remember because that was the most eye-opening thing that in the because usually you just you just yeah. type boom 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 and then you send it out. But when it taught me how to do it, it, it said like you need to explain to them like, hey, what's the this what, what do you see? Uh, most time I, you'll see me use um, this is a good tip. So if you're listening, write this down. The biggest part of me communicating on, on paper is like I lead with, I call it in swimming, when I teach swimming uh, instructors, uh, called the positive sandwich, right? That means I lead with something positive. Then I tell you something not so positive, negative, And then I end with something positive. 
right? And so the whole message is not about negative information. It's like, say, you know, I asked you to write a page and you only wrote half of it. And I, so I'll say, hey, I'm glad you got you got a good start going and everything, the content you have looks really good, but I asked for a full page. You didn't, I didn't get that to you. Um, if you need more time, I know once you really get into it, you'll be able to, uh, to facilitate this request um, to the best of your ability. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And so everybody, so you're not hearing just, so that helped me like teach people and for me to communicate to people like in a better way, how do I relay um, a message that where they can, they don't feel attacked. Well, and and so the positive sandwich is one of those things that has longly been contested. Some people love it. Some people don't. I I don't think you use it all the time. You can't, sometimes you need to be like, like if it was you, like, I would be straight up. Like, you, we have a friendship that I would just say, this is how it is. But when you're speaking to clients, like, you have to, like. But I think that's the point, right? Is, yeah. is in back to the language piece of it, mm-hmm. it's understanding who you're talking to. Who are you to. talking to? Is it, it, that's the real tip, right? And you do have people that need that positive sandwich. And then you have other people that are like, don't, you know, quit, get all the fluff out of there. I want it quick. I want it now. Give it to me and I'm, I'm okay. Right. I, that's what I value is the right. truth. And I think the key to that, especially when you attach it to leadership, is all about knowing your audience. It's knowing how each individual person in your team up and down need to hear things. I would talk to I mean, especially where I found myself in the latter part of my career, I was in the room with people that I had to really, you know, <laughs> movie quotes and and fourteen year old humor was not going to work. Right, right. You know, I had to I had to mind my p's and q's, but I still had to get my point across. And so, it's not about being uh, unauthentic, inauthentic, however you say that, or disingenuous. It's you're still being your authentic self. You just have to choose the proper language to make sure that the point you're trying to make is being conveyed mm-hmm. to the audience. You know, they make children's movies and they make adult movies for a very particular reason but if you look at both sets of movies the the template for the story is the same there's a a story arc in everything it's just different language because the audience is different yeah it was it's a big one where you know language is important when you come down to you hear people say oh that's just how i talk that's who i am that's a cop out and that's that's not right yeah that's not right how you you know you want people to respect you and come across to you the certain way you they deserve the same respect right and it changes with time, and you were talking about that earlier, and it's it's a great point because how we grew up and and talked when we were younger and in the military or just it being young in general, right, if we had been college kids or, or whatever, is not acceptable now. And it's because it's it's not that it was acceptable then. It's just that it was it was different, and we've matured, and we've grown, and things that I said then I would never say now nor consider. And I didn't. I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but I didn't, it wasn't like there was, there was no malicious intent and it was just the language of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, here's a, here's a good example, I guess. When I was, uh, when we were younger, I would say, I'll oh, quit being a little girl. Right. If somebody was, was not doing something physically. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said it, but I didn't use that word. Well. <laughs> and people already know, I'm not going to say it over here because that's, yeah. that's pretty detailed, but. Yeah, we but, all talk. Yeah, and and I would say, sure. you know, don't cry like a little girl or whatever. And I will tell you, Morgan, the the that changed for me the moment I had a daughter. 
And I didn't mean it because I thought women were weaker or whatever. It's just that was the language I grew up mm-hmm. with. And then when I realized, okay, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh. We have why girls for I... a reason. That's why we both have daughters. Man. Yeah, uh, yeah, right? But <laughs> I think also it's it's the – it's, it's realizing and maturing and saying, oh, yeah, owning it. I did say those things, and I didn't uh, – I've grown, and I've matured. And I try not to say guys anymore. Like, hey, you guys. You know, and, and Shelly and I are big fans of Survivor, and they were uh, – like the last episode, you know, Jeff would always say, come on in, guys, and he quit saying that as well. Well, times have changed. Because times are changing. Times have changed because it's it's like the unconscious bias type thing. Right. And so that's where we have to be responsible for our language, too, and say, wow, you know, is that, is that, I don't want to, is it offending somebody? Sure. That's a, that's a, the EVZ flashing neon light. But is that turning somebody off in my audience? So if I've got a mixed group of people and I say, come on in, guys, you know, how are we doing today? Maybe that's, left somebody out. Maybe that's shutting somebody down. And once I started realizing those things, then I'm changing my language because I want to make sure that everybody is included and that I'm more importantly, everybody knows I really, truly love and care for them as, you know, as humans, as teammates, but also so that I'm getting the very best out of them when it comes to their contributions to the team. So how, so the hardest part is, I mean, I had a question is when you have people that are saying things that they don't know what they're saying. You know, you ever have somebody tell you, like, you just, well, why are you cussing? I'm like, I didn't cuss. What are you, what are you talking right. about? Or why did you say that? I didn't say that. And, and, or why did you say it like that? So how, how do we stop, like, doing things that are almost second nature? Second nature. Or, or, you know, we don't, it's harder, it's easy to stop things we know are happening. But how do you stop things? Or That's, how do you stop speaking in a way? that you haven't even called them to yourself and only the outside world hears you. I think that's where uh, in the tilt framework, they call it having a spotter, right? So the tilt assessment stuff, uh, they call it having a spotter. So when you have somebody who trusts you enough and you trust enough that they can be they you feel safe and they can yeah, call yeah, you out. Yeah. And they, you know, and I have friends, I swear like a sailor, but I can also turn it off at the drop of a hat because I know when it's crazy it how we is, do that, right? I can talk to kids right now, and then as soon as I switch it over, it'd be like, "This here, yeah." <laughs> I talked to a group of military people. It's like my wife was like, "My oh, my dad was around when he was here." Yeah, he said, I didn't know you cussed so much. I was, but I was around all y'all, and that's normal for me. I was like, "I'm sorry, Dad." He said, "No, do your thing." And I felt kind of bad, but like when they're around, I don't. Yeah, turn it off. I turn it all the way off, and so. <laughs> You know, that's a great point. It's awareness. And once you become aware of something, because we all have these friends, especially, you know, if you've got friends that are um, just swear all the time. And so then if you have kids and they don't and you're out to dinner or out eating with them, you know, even if you're just one on one, no kids around, but they're they're swearing and, you know, there's kids two booths over. You know, I found myself saying like, hey, there's, there's kids over there. Like I say it all the time, too. Yeah. And so. It's not, it's not, they're not doing it maliciously. They're doing it, you know, subconscious, unconsciously, Or, or oh, this is, I'm hit you, hit the, hit the, hit the, 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 all the married couples or you know, people in relationships hit you with this. When you're in public and you pissed off at your spouse and you want to, you want to relay it, you like, you want to say, you know what? Stop fucking doing it. Mm-hmm. What do you say, honey? Could you please um, refrain from that? And can we talk about this later? 
That's a great that's a great <laughs> example, Morgan. Then how do we translate that into our everyday life? Why do we feel it's okay to go mm, over the top it. instead of catching yourself? And I think that's really the 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 point of this podcast is to catch yourself and be deliberate with the language you use all the time. I love to swear. And we had um, on a previous podcast, we had a guest in who admitted she's like, I love to swear. <laughs> and I, I love remember, to swear, yeah, too. I but I also know it's not appropriate. So when when is it OK for me to say, you know what, now I've got to, you know, speak this way and again, in a genuine way, but in a respectful way to my audience? You just had to come to a point in your life where you recognize the differences in in people and in environments and that you respect others enough to to make that change. It's it's not about you. Like when you can that's that's the biggest thing if I could tell anybody anything uh on this podcast. It's not about you. Language is not about you. Language is about the people that on the other side. Right, the people that are listening, the people that are reading it—that's what language is about. And if you can't respect others, you're never going to have the right language, and you're not going to be a good communicator in general. When you think of um, language as something that oh, it's, I can do what I want, I can do what I want, you are being very selfish and very um, ego-driven. Ego-driven. Uh, but if you want to be a great communicator, I don't give. If you write a blog, you own a podcast, you write a book, you own the news. When it comes to the language you use, when regarding people or anything else, it's about how is it received? Is it bringing value? Is it bringing love? Is it bringing compassion? Is it bringing empathy? Uh, is it bringing understanding? Respect. Respect. I keep writing down respect, mm. and I think that's that's a great point for leadership as well. You know, when you're talking to your team, when you're talking to your people, are you doing it with respect? Are you respecting each person for what they what they bring to the table? And are you using language that is respectful of the group and of everyone, knowing that one-on-one you might be able to talk to certain people differently because that's the way they are? But as a group, you have to you have to adjust to the common denominator. Watch this shift that yeah, we're about to have right here. Because I, I, this can't be planned, but it, it was the perfect point where I, I want to talk about, like, when you – I had um, people that worked for me or worked with me that were from other countries. Right. Right? What they – culturally, what you deem acceptable and what other cultures deem acceptable – in language, is two totally different things. This is one thing that was really hard for me and my wife, like super, super, super hard because she's Puerto Rican, Latin, Catholic, right? That comes with a whole different language. I'm from, you know, uh, grew up Baptist uh, in, in the ghetto, black. Like, yeah. these are two totally different worlds when it comes to language. You know, uh, they used to teach it in California, but they used to call it Ebonics. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Uh, I don't know why they taught that because it's so terrible. <laughs> but it's it's really understanding cultural differences when it comes to language because what you deem appropriate, or you know, people have told me that. Um, and I'm I'm a teddy bear. And my wife said, "Oh, you, that was that was kind of disrespectful." I'm like, "What did I say?" Well, you said this. I was like, "Yeah, that ain't." But to, to other Latin people, she was like, "Yeah, they it came across a different way." 
Yeah, and I had I was thinking of a client I had who was from uh, one of the European countries, and the problem they were dealing with, with or the obstacles that they were facing with some of their their team is the country they came from. They're very a very upfront country and very just kind of say it how it is. Sound like Europe and you know, and London many somewhere. Many of the members on their team were offended by the way they were coming across, and so we worked through a couple of sessions working through you know, the type of language that they could use so that they were getting their point across, but it was not perceived as aggressive or uh, uh, short. I had a, I had a friend and, and she does international business and she was talking, she does Japan and India and dealing with two different cultures, two different, yeah. two totally different cultures, especially in a business sense, right? How you say things could really be disrespectful, uh, it could mean another thing, and right, really understand it. And most people think they can do business and they can talk to anybody in every country. That's a very rare trait because mm-hmm. you have to understand the differences on how you speak um, to different cultures. And it really lends um, recognition to those people that can do that and have the ability to, to talk to anybody and some people, Oh yeah, I'm international. I'm international, but you, you just can't, it's not that easy, right? You have to, just cause you can talk to an individual. doesn't mean they're, they can hear you the way you are, you know, assuming that they do. And I think that's a great, a great point for leaders as well. Leaders, good leaders mm-hmm. are able to speak the language of each individual person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I understand how they need to communicate but then also build a community within that team where they all begin to speak the only the same language. So you bring a bunch of different members into a team and identify what you need versus what I need, what, what she needs, but then build that culture, you know, and, and often those are cultures of respect and of not assuming and of, you know, looking at things as they really are and being open and loving and empathetic and caring and just trusting more it than feeds anything. In, it feeds into the int- intent. Like that language feeds in. It it becomes like like you speak in one voice. Mm-hmm. That's you know. Yeah, you've created your own team language. Mm-hmm. You know, and then those. That's where the expectation thing comes back in because people know to expect or they begin to expect that if I'm in this team, I I know that what I'm going to say is will be respected and listened to as opposed to some teams where people don't say anything because their voice, you know, they they know their voice is not going to be heard. Or you can, you know, the, you know, outside of the teams, there are interpreters too, translators. Uh, the, I would get the, the most common one is like, you know, most kids around their mothers the most of the time. Right. And so I remember when my daughter was little and sometimes now she, no, I do this with my grandson because my daughter, uh, she's 24, and I have my grandson. He's one, and he like he ain't speaking full sentences, but he he's around his mom all the time. So she he'll say something. I'm like, so what is he saying? He's hungry. I mm-hmm. said, well, tell him to say he's hungry. Yeah, <laughs> but he'll be like, huh, 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 and he'll point. But you're like, what is he talking about? But she's around him so much that she understands the language that he speaks. And I've heard this a lot, Morgan. In in folks transitioning out of the military or getting to organizations as a veteran. And I've heard people say, I need somebody to translate what they're saying. And it's one of the, yeah. And it's one of the things that I know I talk to a lot of veterans about is it's your responsibility 
to begin to speak the language of others and not assume that everybody can speak in acronyms or alphabet soup, as we call it, right? That you have to kind of adapt. So it's, it's, a, it's a mutual responsibility languages. It's not just on the leader. It's also about the team members to understand the, the language of the team or the community, whatever that you're going into, just like you would in a foreign country. But that's a good point for organizations that are hiring military people. If you have someone that speaks their language, you can help that you can help that transition, transition a lot mm-hmm. better. I have a friend that he does that. He he was a hired veteran with Johnson and Johnson, and uh, he's probably listening to this right now. But he he helps other veterans, and he helps them say, "Hey, this is how." The, the, the corporation, their yeah, this, yeah, this is how this is done. This is how this is done, and it makes for you know a very valuable relationship between them two always, but between the the new a newcomer and the company as well. And if you think about it, the, of course, the veteran example is super easy, but that could happen anywhere. If, even if you're shifting industries, let's say you were a you know a I don't know a, a director at company X, and then you left that organization and you went to a new organization that has a completely different product and you've been hired for leadership, there's going to be a shift in language that you're going to have to adjust change. to change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's, Oh, that's the key point in this whole one change. Cha- yeah. 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 You've got to be willing to adapt uh, and language goes both ways, of course. You know, so as, as we kind of start wrapping it up, what are some key tips you would offer listeners for, for uh, adjusting to language or in using language? Be open to change. Your way is not always the right way. That would be the first one. Be open to the change. Uh, The second one for me is if you speak a lot, if you communicate verbally a lot, um, start writing things out and kind of see how you are communicating with others. Um, And if if you write things out and learn how to Translate your thoughts into written word with emotion, right? It will show you a different uh, aspect of how verbally you can communicate with people Um, because verbal and written are different. And when you're writing things down, you have to be a lot. You have to explain in a lot more detail and uh, and paint the picture for the person that's reading it. And in and, and in verbal word, you don't have to do it as much because they're getting the the energy from you speaking, the tone of your voice, and your body mannerisms. Yeah, and those are great uh, tips for what I would consider increasing your self awareness and how you uh, the language you use. Mm-hmm. I would also offer always be respectful and mindful of how other people receive information and the, how they respond or perceive the language that you're using and that some people might really internalize what you say. Um, and so if you're mindful and respectful of the language that you use, and again, be open to feedback. So when somebody says to you, that doesn't resonate with me or what you just said means this to me, then you're able to adjust and adapt on the fly. Because our body language, the verbal language, the written language, every bit of language we use as leaders has a massive impact on our team and our organizations. Yeah. My last one would be uh, what I'm sitting here thinking about is just because you tell people that you've always done it this way or you're just being honest doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. That's right. That's what I'll leave with that. Yeah. In the RBLP uh, construct, they call that the entrenched mindset. Get out just, of, yeah, get out of the dug trench. In. Yeah, undigging. Un- yeah. Is that even right? Undigging? Un- we'll make it up. <laughs> Undig. 
part of language is making up words, and that's what we do here on that new, L Word podcast. New, new dictionary. Undig. Write it down. Right now. Use it every time you talk. Hashtag Morgan words. No, don't do that because I don't want to be tied to that. Because I'm, I'm terrible with grammar, but it doesn't even sound right to me. So. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to wrap us up for another episode of That L Word Podcast. And um, guess what? You need to leave us a review. Do some stars on there. Tell us what, what you think about the podcast and what we can do different or we can do more of. Yeah, follow us on all of the social channels. You guys know what they are. And please share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever you think could benefit. It's a, a podcast about leadership, but also really about love and caring for people. And like we said, you know, we, we like to talk about the things that most people are afraid to say out loud. I'll say this last one. We've never done this before, but I'm going to throw it out there this time. If you see a topic that you want us to, to come in and teach your, your team or your company, give us a, give us a holler. Yeah, We're always out. open to, to talking or speaking, roundtables, uh, any, any type of keynote speaking. Just let us know. We are always there to help people and to bring the same value we bring in this podcast to you and your company or in your families. Yeah. Morgan and I love to talk, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> a whole lot. All right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Deuces. Bye.